Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. And this morning is the last day for our Finding Our Place in the World series. And in our time together, we've found that we are to be holy above all else, set apart from the world, looking different in every way that we can. We've found that we are holy in our possessions, our citizenship, our pleasures, our sexuality. There is no part of us that looks like the world. We are gods through and through, and that's how we fit in in this world. So we are different, and today we're going to be different in one last way. But I'm not going to tell you what that is yet. We're going to hold on to that until the middle of the sermon uh, for a little bit now. Because first we need to see what the state of the world is. We need to know what we are finding our place in. So we're going to go through three different periods of history in the Bible to see what the world was like. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about how we find our place in something such as this. And so we start at the beginning. Before the flood, we are looking at the world. Sin has entered at the world. God created a world that was good, remember. It was without sin and a relationship with God was available. And remember, in the garden, God was walking with Adam and talking with them. He had a relationship with them. But the serpent deceived Eve, and they were led to sin so that they ate of the fruit that God commanded them not to eat. And so the curses were given to them. Pain and death were Adam and Eve's and humanity's to expect forever. And they're driven out of the garden, and they cannot return because God has placed a guard at the way into the garden. And things get worse as time goes on as their son Cain murders his brother Abel. The relationship with God is severed even more because violence has become a part of the world. And it is shown in the most and close relationships because it is even between brothers that violence is shown. As jealousy and hatred grew in their hearts, so Cain is cast out from his family. And more importantly, the writer of Genesis tells us that he is cast away from the presence of the Lord. Cain goes and he builds a city naming it after his son, perhaps a sign of his arrogance. And he has a line of descendants that are increasingly wicked as time goes on. And the sin seems to get more and more intense, and the violence seems to grow as it happens. His descendant Lamech was the first recorded man to have sexual sin in the Bible, as he had two wives going against God's design for marriage shown in Adam and Eve. And so in Genesis chapter 5, we all know the refrain of Genesis chapter 5. After every part of the genealogy that was there, almost, it says, and he died. Things kept getting worse. Death was in the world. Sin had overcome things. And then the time of the flood comes, and here's what God sees in Genesis chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. How quickly the world has dissolved into sin and death. So much so that God didn't want it to continue. Judgment needed to come. And so destruction and judgment were coming their way because the defining characteristic of the world at the time was violence. Now our world may not seem all too different at times. Violence is still a defining 
characteristic of our world. Every day in Tarrant County, there are murders, there, are, there, are, uh, there is violence, there are fights. And across our nation, we see riots and we see anger and we see strife. And nationwide, there are wars and we see different struggles that happen in our time. It is a dark time in our world. But that's not always how it's going to be, right? It's surely going to get better. Let's fast forward about a thousand years and let's see what happens next. Because next we see in the divided kingdom, King Ahab is reigning in the time we're going to look at here. And this is the kind of person that King Ahab is. King Ahab did more to provoke, provoke, provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. He was an evil king who made God angry with all that he did. He served idols and he lived in sin. And even worse, he led Israel to serve idols and for them to live in sin. And so the nation suffered. There was a drought and a famine for three years, resulting in suffering for all the people. And so when the prophet Elijah came, at the end of the three years, Ahab greets him as the troubler of Israel. Now, can you imagine that? You've had a famine in your, in your land for three years, and God sends a prophet to come speak to you, and you address him as the troubler of Israel. How far have you gotten from seeing God as the Lord, the God of you and your nation? And so, Ahab and Elijah agree to have a contest on Mount Carmel. Ahab is purposefully striving against the God here. He's agreed to fight against the Lord. There is no um, deceiving himself here. He is all, way, all the way against God. But we know the story well. God and Elijah easily dispatch of Baal and Ahab and the prophets of Baal, and they uh, defeat them in this contest. And the prophets of Baal are slaughtered as a result. And so furthermore, Elijah shows Ahab, who is really in control, because at the end of this contest, God brings about the end of this great drought with a rain, a rain that is powerful and nobody saw coming. Which, by the way, Baal was supposed to be the, the, the god, the idol of rain and storms. And so there is some purposefulness with this drought and rain that God has chosen to be assigned to Israel. And so God has shown that he is more powerful in every possible way than Baal and so you'd think Ahab would say, okay, I repent, I'm going to do better. Well, that's not Ahab. In fact, he doubled down. He goes and goes back to Queen Jezebel, and they threatened Elijah that they might kill him like the prophets of Baal were killed. And so Elijah flees to the wickedness to escape, and he runs into the wilderness. And the, prophets, the problems of Israel continue. Ahab still reigns, and his sins still are leading Israel. And things never get better. Even after Ahab dies and they move on to a new king, wickedness continues in Israel. The divided kingdom really never recovers on the northern side until they are put in captivity in Assyria and their time is put to an end. Our world still struggles with some of the same sins as Ahab's. We still have corrupt governments today. Just in the past few years, my hometown's mayor got 
arrested and impeached for embezzling funds from the city. He got re recently released from prison from it. It's just an all-time reminder that our governments are still corrupt, like many of them were in the Bible. And a lot of these uh, government officials are corrupt in different ways. There isn't a year that goes by without different judges and different government officials being removed from office because of misuse of what they are supposed to be doing. And they are guided by the idols that they have before them, their power and their greed, just like Ahab was guided by Baal and selfishness. These struggles are in our times just like they are in theirs. It was a dark time in their world, but that's not how it's always going to be, right? Surely things are going to get better. Well, let's fast forward about 900 more years and see how it looks in a different time of history. In Jesus' time, we have the Messiah coming to save everyone. So surely this is a time of righteousness. Surely this is a time where everyone's got their act together. Well, we know that's not what happened. Things are still not good on earth. Rome was in power, and their rule was over the nations, and, and including Israel, and it was a strong rule. And Israel was split on how they should handle Rome, because some gave allegiance to Rome, started collecting taxes to help Rome's rule and to try and gain some power for themselves in society. But some started to revolt, starting groups like the Zealots. It was not a peaceful time in Jesus' time of the world. In fact, King Herod, who was over Palestine at the beginning of the Gospels, heard that a king was coming, and he responded by killing the baby boys in the nation to try to eliminate the threat Righteousness was not found in Palestine at this time. And even when Jesus grew up and began his ministry, he still faced evil in the world. Everywhere he went, he faced different political leaders and religious leaders who opposed him openly and did not want to see him succeed. And Jesus was ministering to the poor and the needy. He was reaching out to the sinner and the outcast and inviting them to follow him. And for a while... Many of the people did follow him. And everywhere he went, he faced, uh, he, he would have these people following him, but then some would follow for the wrong reasons, trying to get a meal or to see a sign. And so even discipleship was not always something that was a positive in their world. But we know all of this leads to the crucifixion and betrayal of our Lord, that Jesus was abandoned by his followers and crucified lifted up on a cross, a death that was usually reserved for the most shameful and evil criminals. That was what was given to the one righteous one, Jesus. The Lord, the Son of God, came to earth, and he was killed by the ones he came to save. Here's what Luke recorded about it in Acts chapter 3. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. The defining characteristic of this world is that they hated righteousness. Both the Jews and the Romans fought against Jesus as he came to show them a better way to live. You know, the Jews and the Romans couldn't get along over anything. 
But they could agree on one thing. That's that they hated Jesus and they wanted him dead. And our world still hates righteousness. Jesus is still rejected and hated in our world by so many people. And there are so many people who are rejecting God and hating the righteousness of Jesus, and it is done in different ways in different people's lives all throughout the world. These struggles are in our time, just like they were in theirs. The world is a dark place. It's full of evil. And so the state of the world is a hard one to see. So how can we find our place in the world? Our place in the world is temporary. And that's the joy of this lesson. We get to see all the darkness that has happened and is happening, but there is hope that we can have a way out. Now, in each of these periods of history, God has one servant that he has chosen that he gives a way out in extraordinary and uh, miraculous ways. So let's go back through and let's see what God has done for his people. So God's plan for his people first with Enoch. And with each of these, we'll see some practicality for ourselves as well. Now remember, in Genesis chapter 5, the refrain for Enoch was, and he died. Or the refrain of Genesis 5, not for Enoch. But Enoch stood out in verse 24. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch, in the middle of the time period of the patriarchs that was full of death and doom, had a different fate. He had a different outcome waiting for him because of his relationship with God. He pleased God with how he lived. He lived in faith seeing the wickedness around him and choosing to live differently. And because of that, God saw him, and God had hope for him. So when we face evil in our world, we can respond in faith like Enoch did. Let's keep reading verse 6 of Hebrews here that we have behind us. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Cain's descendants had filled the earth with violence, and yet Enoch was able to walk with God. How much more can we, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, walk with God even though sin surrounds us? We can have faith in such a hard time. But there's more. In the time of Elijah, in the divided kingdom, he was given a way out because Elijah was a prophet in an evil time. And things weren't going to get better for a long time in their world. But God had a special plan for Elijah. In 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11, as this is the story of Elijah's ascension, And as they still went on and talked, Elijah and Elisha, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now Elijah didn't die in a particularly violent time of the Bible where lots of people died in lots of various brutal ways, Elijah was taken up and saved from the world that he was in. God saves his servants from the wickedness of the world and he lifts them out of the wicked time that they are in. 
So in a time where the wicked seemed so strong to Elijah, times where he said, I am the only prophet left, there is no strength left in Israel, what does God use to show him? A chariot of fire. A symbol of power that God comes to sweep him up and save him from this wicked world. And so what does Elijah teach us that we can do? First, he shows us that we can share the good news. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 24, Jesus is talking about Elijah as an example of someone who shares the gospel. And he says, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But I, in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. So Jesus uses Elijah as an example, because in the times of wickedness, Elijah shared the good news. He didn't just look for Israelites that would be willing to listen, because there weren't any Israelites that seemed to be willing to listen in his time. Everywhere he looked, they were trying to kill him or tell Jezebel where he was. So he felt very isolated in that time and in that way. And so where does he go? Back home? I'm going to sulk and hide and make sure that I just stay safe. Now Elijah goes to Zarephath. He goes to an outsider to help a widow find hope. Because there was no food in the land. And he went to bring her good news that she could survive this famine. We can use our time on this earth to share hope with those who need it too. There are outsiders everywhere we look that we can help see Jesus, that there is hope in the famine of their lives that we can help them to see the sustenance they need in Jesus Christ. That is something we can do while we wait for our ascension. Elijah also shows us that we can pray. In James chapter 5 and verse 16 through 18, the prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah prayed. It's interesting, by the way, that both of these New Testament examples of Elijah are from the same event. That this famine of three years and six months comes up in two different ways. And Elijah didn't just use it to do one good thing, but this hardship pushed him to do all kinds of good things. And it helped him to be the kind of prophet that God wanted him to be. But Elijah prayed even though the world seemed overwhelming. Wickedness was everywhere. Famine must have been really hard to live through. And there is so much that he could have prayed for. But Elijah prayed for a specific problem in the world. He prayed that rain might be withheld so the people of Israel might turn to God. This unbelieving nation might see their need for a God who can bring rain. And then, when it was time, he prayed again that God might bring rain again. And then God listened, and he brought rain when Elijah prayed for it. There is so much that we can pray for because our God listens. And he hears our prayers and he knows our needs. That's what we can see from Elijah. We can pray for our needs and more importantly, we can pray for God's will to be done. Because we have hope that our world is temporary and that we can have hope in a future. And finally, Jesus 
shows us that our place in the world is temporary. And Jesus shows us as the ultimate example of overcoming this earth and its wickedness. He was raised from the dead and he ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus was taken from this world. He had defeated death, and he was raised from the dead, and God took him. This is especially a hopeful ascension for us to see, because it comes with two promises of hope for us. First, Jesus leaving, and he promises hope and a helper, that the Holy Spirit will come and in power give to his people. God doesn't leave us alone. He sends his helper to comfort us and give us hope. And the second comfort is given in the next couple of verses, in verses 10 and 11 of Acts chapter 1. And while the disciples were gazing into heaven as he went, the whole two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. We have hope because Jesus is coming back. And we can have hope that Jesus is coming back not just to reign on this earth, but he's coming back specifically for us so that we can be his with him forever in heaven. And Paul describes it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Jesus' ascension should give us hope because he is coming back for us. And all three of these, these people that God saved, are signs for us that God has a hope for us that we will be saved as well, that God is coming for our souls. So what does Jesus show us that we can do while we are on this earth? Jesus shows us a lot of things. So I had to just choose one to, to, for time's sake this morning. So I chose serve. In Mark chapter 10, and verse 42, Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served even in times of difficulty, he served. The night he knew he was going to die, the night he knew he was going to be betrayed, what did he do? But serve, washing his disciples' feet. So we should be looking to serve one another with every opportunity we have because our time is temporary. We must use the best of our time. Jesus was greater than anyone, and yet he chose to be a servant. Jesus was busier than anyone, and yet he chose to be a servant. And so we have this great calling to follow him in service. We have a church family here that needs serving. We have friends and neighbors with needs that we can meet. 
We can't let excuses that we come up with let us get in the way from being like Jesus. We have some great examples before us. People who lived in hard times and could endure. And that should give us hope that we can too. That we have a hope for us at the end of our lives that God is coming for us. That we have an ascension planned for our lives. The world feels evil to us too, like it did for God's servants. But God delivered them. And he, we know that He will deliver us too. So we should use our time to be people who walk with God. Because our time is temporary. It is precious. We need to use it well. But I want to give a little caveat. Because this feels a little overwhelming. Because the three characters we looked at are they're hard to find failures in their lives. They are wonderful people who God chose out of the multitudes to save. How can we live like them? Well, we can do our best. But for when we fail, our Lord Jesus has atoned for our sins and our weaknesses so that we can have a hope and a permanent life with Him. That's what Jesus has done for us. He has won us that hope and secured it perfectly in His blood. So what is our place in the world? Our place in the world is temporary. So we must use our time the best we can. That's what God's people do. Let's pray together, and then we'll stand and sing. Our God and our Father, we're so thankful that you have given us the hope we have in heaven, a hope that we can, we can cling on to because we know it is guarded by you in heaven for us. It is imperishable undefiled, kept for us. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your servants Enoch, Elijah, and your son Jesus, who give us the example we need to live a life in a world full of sin. God, as we go through this week, help us to use our time well. Help us to have a hope for the future that is guided by you and your word. We love you, God. We thank you for Jesus. Be with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.